Hey, it's Michael, and welcome to another podcast episode. Before I get into today's episode, we wanted to make an offer to you. If you go to firmsconsulting.com, you will see a pop-up or you'll see a place to add in your email address or you can register on the Firms Consulting website. If you register onto that website, you get put into an exclusive list. And what you get in that exclusive list is samples of the content we have available to FC Insiders. So that said, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hey, Tim, it's great to speak to you again. Hi, happy to be here. We have a lot of interesting things to talk about. But since you may be new to some of our listeners, I thought a good place to start would be by you giving us a rundown of your resume and how you ended up advising all these firms on digital transformation. Yeah, it it has been a very interesting time, almost 22 years in the consulting industry now. And I've went through three different firms um, from from a small boutique um, focusing on launching new mobile operators in the early days. Then I moved on to a bigger strategy boutique with, I don't know, two and a half thousand people. The first one had less than a thousand. And there um, I then had to rebuild mobile operators, media companies, etc. So I've always been a telco and media person. Yes. And uh, that's why I had a very close relationship with digital in, in the early years. I spent almost 10 years in that strategy boutique. Um, it's, called, it's called Roland Berger. Um, it, it's, a, it's a German-founded firm. And then I moved on to Monitor Deloitte or Deloitte, where I've been now for the past eight years already uh, as a senior partner in the strategy practice with many roles uh, on top. And in parallel, and we will discuss about this a bit today, um, I've I've re-entered academia Mm -hmm. now almost four years, four and a half years ago, because I wanted to crack a nut a client has given me, so a a tough challenge. And it was clear that in the normal madness of consulting work, that's impossible. So I invested free time. I went back to business school and did my doctorate at the business school uh, based on the topic, became a professor at that business school. It's Stabocconi, one of the top business schools in Europe, in Milan. And yeah, happy since then. And uh, um, that's the short uh, of my career story. Um, I live in Munich, um, uh, but I've worked in more than 20 countries over my career. So I've seen many different places from Europe, um, the Americas, Middle East, Eastern Europe, um, all over the place, um, always strategy or work or work related to digital topics. So that sounds like you are very dedicated to your client. If you went back to get a degree just to solve a problem from the client. What was the problem? It, it's it's first dedicated to the client, but you, but you know how consultants are. He, yes. he asked me a question and I had no answer and I didn't like that. <laughs> so <laughs> I said, no, I, I, that's, that's, that cannot be true. Yeah. Um, and so I, I tried to find a way to solve it first, the easy way. So setting up an internal team, yes. um, giving the task and all these things, what you do as a partner at one point in time, and then I was never happy with the outcome. And then I realized probably it's my fault because I hadn't defined it clear enough. Yes. And then I became stubborn and I just did it myself. So it was kind of the initial spark was a question of, of an executive saying, Tim, look, um, we've known each other for years. You, you, you know, I will move on in the next two years or so from this role, hopefully to a bigger one. And we both know that we 
we as a company to invest hundreds of millions into digital transformation, transforming all back office functions, all the crappy legacy systems, they all need to be replaced. We know it needs to be done, but am I not better off if I just spend 20 million, ask my investor relations team to put digital 50 times in the annual report, <laughs> and wear jeans and trainers, Yes, and and do some cool things, maybe some venture invest or, or an incubator or I don't know what. And um, what would actually my shareholders value more? Do you, can you give me any proof that the first journey is the better one for my company in in the time frame I'm looking at? That and that was a question, and I had no answer. I I, I could just say, yeah, digital is important and somehow shareholders should should uh, value what you're doing. But it was also clear that the first two or three years, it would be not valuable. Um, yeah. A lot of cost, a lot of pain. Then all these 70% of these projects fail. Ratios came up. And uh, uh, funny story, I think this number is, everyone is quoting it, but no one really knows where it's coming from. <laughs> and when you then really research deeply, you yes. find it's it's just some subjective questionnaire result. Um, but everyone is using it because it's such a nice story. And that's how it all started. And then I went back into, into all the research which needed to be done. And it took some time because I still had my major job to do. Well, what's interesting about this is the example you gave me of the way the CEO outlined the two different options is often the way companies do respond to digital. They do yes. add in the words, they change their names. They And I've seen, I've seen clients do this. They start wearing jeans and white sneakers and a blazer and a t-shirt. Yes. And they will then set up an internal venture fund to invest in promising cool companies, but they haven't exactly changed the DNA of their own business. That's very true. And when, when I look deep into the research, what I call that the, the, the scope of the transformation, which is yes. one key element out of many we could and can hopefully discuss today. But you have more or less three different scopes. You can, you can do this at the frontier of your business, which is like really way out from, from your core. And that's often easy. Okay. As you said, you, it's more like a financial holding application approach yes. or whatever you want to call it. No harm done, maybe some money lost if, if your investment is failing, but also no upside uh, because you never thought about um, taking all that back to your core business, which should still be the majority of your value creation mechanisms. You can do that at what I call the adjacencies of your business. That's already harder. Yes. Because there are already interfaces and linkages, and it has something to do with what you are doing in your core. But also there very often companies just don't think about the reintegration into what they really do. And you can do the technical, I don't know, just uh, become agile and innovative in the front end systems, um, new online um, uh, strategies, all these things. But if it doesn't change your overall channel structures and so on, it's also not helping. And then you can do the real painful thing um, but also where the real value creation sits, you can start this in the core of your business. Yes. Well, let's for the listeners, mm. let's start by defining digital transformation because every executive has their own definition. So what would be an ideal definition 
for the audience so they know the foundation of which we're building this conversation? It's a great question and uh, an easy one with a very hard answer. And first, I, I've read hundreds of books and articles yes. uh, for the research, many more than I, I wanted. And, and after the first 10 or 20, you realize it's all repetitive. Yes, and and, and it's all going in circles. I'm sure you've read all these books and, and articles. There are a few brilliant ones, um, and but everyone knows these, and everyone has its own definition. I'm not saying it's totally different in the sense that it's opposing concepts, but it's also and always just a wording which is a bit different and a bit of a different framework, etc. So, so my view was that finding another one is not adding value. Yes. Um, so if I'm asked that question, I'm always saying, look, the key thing is to look at the second part of the term, which is transformation. And, and many companies, executives, and people out there get lost on the digital part of this digital transformation term. Because in the end, digital for me is just a tool um, it's an umbrella term for all these things, all these catalysts we have in the market to, to adjust our strategies in a way to win in the marketplace. And to make that happen and execute, you need to transform. So for me, is it's a transformation and it has different elements as catalysts than what we had before because digital offers many opportunities, but transformation is the core of what needs to be done. I like and that there's definition. no there's there's no more need for any technical, you know, these what is digitizing versus digitalizing and digital yes. transformation. You can do that forever. Um, but the core is uh, what do you do that for to transform your company and why do you transform? Hopefully, because you have a strategy to win in the marketplace. That's an interesting way of looking at it because, as you rightly pointed out, most of the discussion does focus on what digital means. But at the end of the day, companies roll out their digital plans, but they haven't transformed themselves to be successful in a digital marketplace. And it's usually superficial changes they've made. For example, I'm sure you've seen this, for a lot of companies, digital means setting up some apps. And yes. they do it, they say they launch an app, and they're quite proud of it, but it doesn't fit into their business model. It hasn't transformed them. They don't have a new business model. They simply... It's almost as if they're putting paint on the same car, but the car is still the same thing. Yeah, it's almost like, and, and I've used this term now quite often in all the discussions um, I've had over the past weeks and months on the research. I think we talk a lot about greenwashing these days. Yes. Because, but there is also something which is called digital washing, you know? Yes, I love that term. That's, um, that's and, brilliant. And the... Um, and that's exactly the question my client asked. Should I digital wash my company or should I transform it? And I think uh, if you say digital transformation, you need to understand that the implication is transformation, yes. <laughs> as, as hard as it sounds. Otherwise, you can happily do endless pilots, MVPs of single technologies, po potentially and very likely with a great business case because it's a meant to be positive business case in most cases. But you can never scale it end to end to your company that way. And if you don't, then you shouldn't be surprised if your shareholders don't really appreciate what you're doing. 
no matter what you say, how digital you've become. Yes, it's quite common for companies, not many of them, but I've seen companies do this, whereby they will decide they're going to go digital, whatever that means for them. But then they'll ring fence it within a small part of the business. Yes. And they will say, this business is going digital, but the rest of the business is going to operate as is and maybe take some of the best practices from digital. But that's an example of them not transforming. Yes. And usually, as, as, as I said, that's then at the frontier or in the adjacencies of your core business. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I think it's only wrong if you do not make a plan from day one or at least yes. think about how how does this change potentially or should change or transform the majority of your company, not just the, the easy parts. Because I've seen, I'm sure you've seen it as well, yeah. so many highly talented um, managers then being sent to the frontier or to the adjacencies and they never come back. Yes, um, and everything falls apart. Yes. So if a CEO or senior leader was listening to this podcast and they're thinking now, okay, I've got to go on this digital transformation journey. What would be the starting point for them to diagnose where they are and how to think about this? How should they start thinking about this process? I think you raise an interesting question because I would disagree already with a question. That's nice. Um, I like when people disagree. Big, <laughs> no, that, that's part of the fun of discussing. Yes. Isn't it? Um, <laughs> otherwise, it's boring. No, <laughs> I, I would say, I would then ask the question, so why do you think you need to embark on digital transformation? And uh, the good answer would be because I have a very clear strategic view. Yes. And a strategy to win in the marketplace. And I've spent enough time thinking and analyzing what digital as an umbrella term for all these great things happening out there can do for my strategy to kill competition. And to make that work at scale, I need to transform. And that's why I'm now need to digitally transform. But you wouldn't, you would be surprised how often this first part is missing. But I'm actually not surprised by that. I mean, we were talking about digital, but I have an executive who is in the automotive industry. Mm. And when AI and electric became big topics, I remember sitting down with him and asking him, you know, why is your company going into the electric space? And his honest response to me was, they don't know why they're doing it, but everyone's doing it. So they feel if they don't do something, the market's going to punish them. Yes. And, and I the, think it's actually fairly common, even though most people don't admit it. It's very common. And um, as I also, in the book, I spend a bit of time asking yes, every, everyone, why is it so? And it, it's not really a surprise because there is a huge ecosystem behind this. And it's it's the the need of the ecosystem to fuel this this hype, which makes everyone follow you have all the big um, um, vendors for all the cool software products out there. They, it's all very cool stuff, but obviously they need to sell it. Yes. So they need to fuel the hype. Then you have consultants like me and others <laughs> yes. who, who obviously then can surf on that wave either by implementing or by strategizing. Then, then you have the politicians who, who happily use the term um, whenever they have no clue what really to do. And then, and try to make their market more attractive versus others. And then you have authors and speakers, and it's a huge ecosystem. And 
um, there are more buzzwords out there than ever before, I think, uh, yes. in, in my whole business life. And, and that's why often, um, yeah, people think that um, if you say agile 10 times a day, then you're agile. <laughs> uh, so it's basically a fear of missing out yeah and the pressure is huge um because um what do you want to say to your shareholders if everywhere out there there are examples of companies in your sector competing with you who have done all this cool digital stuff and then you have all these speakers using um, one of the most misused tools which are maturity models yes yes that is true um, which, which are basically i love them you can use them for good things but i think one thing you shouldn't use them for is design the, the criteria in some way um then um defining a benchmark which is random and mostly uh, something fearsome which you can never achieve and then put your company in this framework and then just show you're nowhere you need to work on it and invest yes it, it, it's a it's a great pitch for spending money um but it's all subjective and it's never linked to value yes in that sense one of the most common discussions i have with uh, senior clients is when we're talking about their digital strategies and so on digital transformation i always ask them first what is your business strategy because your digital yes. strategy must enable your corporate strategy and if you don't have a corporate strategy that you're comfortable with you really can't have a digital transformation plan because you don't know where the business is going. But it's very common that most executives don't see that. They almost believe that there's going to be a digital transformation plan and out of that, a corporate strategy is going to coalesce. Why do you think that is happening? Because it seems it's obviously counterintuitive, but it's very common that these discussions are taking place. Yeah, it's all, I think there's a lot of emotions involved. And as, yeah. as I said, a lot of pressure from all over the place. And the and then you have all these, I don't know, uh, people almost preaching that the times of strategy are over. Yes, that's very common. Um, because, and then come all these reasons. Uh, it's a fast, it, the time to market has to be short. Dyna yeah. Dynamics are increasing dramatically. And all these kind of reasons, but I, I would still totally disagree because I, I would say actually that makes strategy even more important. Yes. It's not strategic planning um, in the sense you make up something and then for three years it's not changing. No, it's very dynamic and strategy needs to become much faster, but strategic thinking is more important than ever before because otherwise you end up implementing a platform or two platforms, three years, you think you're now cool and digital. And then you realize every competitor in the market has used more or less the same platforms at the same customization level. And then you end up at the same position or worse compared to where you started. And in, uh, in, the, in the book, I use um, kind of almost a children's tale. Those are the best, simple. Yeah, to, to explain. And it's, it's about the rabbit and the hedgehog. I don't know whether you know the story. It's like um, a, a rabbit meets a hedgehog and then they agree that they need to run a race because the, the rabbit is telling the hedgehog, look, with your short legs, yes. you will never win. And what the hedgehog then does is he asks his wife, who looks exactly the same, 
and they position at both sides of the wood. And whenever they start running, the hedgehog hides. And whenever the rabbit arrives at the other side, the wife or or the hedgehog himself, they more or less say, look, I'm already here. Yeah. The rabbit is surprised and they do that 100 times and then the rabbit is dead. And that's kind of the story I, I love to use to explain what happens if you do digital transformation without a strategy, without having your hedgehog wife, you know? <laughs> I love that story. I've never heard that story. I'm going to use because it. Then, then, you, then you run and run and you're agile and you speed up and et cetera. And you find out that your competitor has already arrived by using a different approach, a strategy for winning. And, and that's what very often happens. Yeah, that's days. actually a good analogy because a lot of companies, they focus on agile and being fast, but because their strategy is wrong, they're just getting to the wrong place faster. Yeah, you will run faster in the wrong direction, which is never a good thing. That was never a good thing. But the yeah. interesting thing is, I mean, you obviously know this. Most of your clients, I would say all of your clients are very smart, accomplished people. They are captains of industry. They know what they're doing, but they're under so much pressure to do something that they often yes. end up doing something, even if it's not the best thing. And I fully agree. It's The reason is not that they don't know. There might be some clients where you could say, look, this was outright stupid. Yes. Um, but it's almost never happening. Usually you look at everything from the outside or from the inside. And when you look back, you struggle to understand. And everyone struggles to understand why decisions were made the way they were made. And why once it was clear that it wasn't working, it was still continued by bright people who know their business, who know everything. Um, and it's it's often a surprise. And I I believe one thing which has changed is that um, the the number and abundance of technologies has increased tremendously. Yes, and it's very hard for for even very experienced executives to really understand what these technologies can do, and then they resort to taking the I don't know high level view. And then they totally miss the opportunity to combine technologies and other catalysts in a way which are unique to beat your competitors. And I've had these discussions with clients saying, look, you need to work and understand technology. You cannot outsource that to a CDO or your yes. CTO or CIO. I'm sorry to say uh, a good CEO, a good chief commercial officer needs to be a good technology person these days. And maybe even a brilliant one, and and that's a journey we still have to run through. And then even worse, or let's put it the other way, more opportunities in advisory boards, etc. It, 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 it's a matter of time. I hope that this is changing. We actually brought up a very important point, and I was going to touch on this. If you read the Financial Times and the Wall Street Journal and so mm -hmm. on, you often find these discussions whereby companies talk about replacing or enhancing their boards of directors so that they have experience in AI and digital and so on. But at the same time, we don't seem to put the same focus on the CEO having that knowledge and expertise. And as you say, they often want to delegate that to the chief information officer. Yeah. But you know, as you point out is that if you embark in any journey on digital transformation, 
it must be in a way whereby it's enhancing the competitive advantage of that company. Yes. But it's hard for me to understand how a CEO can make these important decisions unless they have some expertise in digital. Yes. And, and it, I'm afraid it needs to be more than just some. Yes, yes. Be be because, because otherwise, um, you know, you make huge platform decisions. And if you don't understand, I don't know, what your CRM can really do, and not only what it can do, but what it can do differently, or how do you want to shape it in a different way vis-a-vis -vis your competitors, then IT will select the cheapest or the one with the best sales force, or I don't know, whatever the reason is why then a platform, a cloud platform, whatever was selected, and you simply lose the opportunity to use the platform or the, the, the digital elements which you want to install for, for the good of the company. Yes. Um, which is differentiation versus competition. I'm always coming back to that one because that, that's what it should all be for, for winning and not for just for playing along. Yes. I remember speaking to an executive recently and we were talking about succession planning. And he was showing me the rotational program it set up for his top five executives. So he wanted them to work in operations. He wanted them mm. to work on cleaning up the balance sheet for one of the bank's foreign divisions. But what I found interesting there was there was no plan to put them into a digital challenge yes. so they could prove their skills and learn it before they took the top job. And yeah, I remember and asking, there should, there asking, look at where the world is going shouldn't you put them into challenges they are likely to face in the future versus what you as a CEO faced 15 years ago? Yeah, it, and that, that's a very good recommendation because uh, the, the market is changing so fast. So you need to ramp up the talent to do this and not just in, I don't know, in, in cool development centers, but in, in your executive and it's not about all going uh, by bus to Israel um, and looking at how startups do it or to the Silicon yes. Valley or, you know. That's what most these... companies do, actually. Yeah, so it's kind of the this immersion, but not, yes. more for, not, not, not more than two weeks and not really getting your hands dirty, just watching. Um, and then they come back with a lot of inspiration and um, um, many of them with a an better understanding, but that's not enough. Yeah, you, you can argue, hmm, um, just wait a few years, the new generations, they will solve this issue. Um, but it all depends on whether you as a company have the time to wait for the next generation to take over. Well, if you think about it, even if a new generation comes in, your competitors are going to have a new generation as well. Yeah, true. So you have to it's be the same argument. Yes, right? it's the same you argument. To... You're fully right. The best way to think about it is I remember when self-driving became this huge topic a few years ago, and everyone talked about autonomous vehicles, and companies were making promises that within three to four years, they're going to have vehicles that drove themselves. And I spoke to an automotive executive, head of strategy, one of the big three American car companies, and I remember talking to him and asking him, you know, how does building an autonomous capability fit into your business model? And his response to me was that it doesn't fit into our business model, but if we build a capability, we think we'll create a new business model. And they went down that path, costing them billions of dollars, but they eventually had to give up on it because it just didn't fit into their strategy at all. And I think at that time, as you very well pointed out, 
they didn't have anyone who could look at the different platforms and capabilities that were coming out in digital and decide which one they were going to build their future yeah. on. They went with the one that was most popular. Yeah, and that's yeah. It, it can be. I, I think it, it can be the right choice, but it has can to be a choice. It, it has to. It has to be a choice, a conscious choice, with the right reasons. Um, I'm not not saying you should always go somewhere where no one else has 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 ever been before. Yes, but it, but it has to be based on a strategic choice, and the choice has to help you winning. Um, and we all know. It's it's there's no certainty for winning ever, um, but at least the ambition needs to be there. And yes, you can lose money, you can lose tons of money, you can fail. Then people will say, "Yeah, you learn based on failing." That's all also very true. It's just a matter of how much the failing costs in the end. I think. Yes. And I think that's the beauty of agile somehow. That you could argue that uh, if you if you uh, miss your objectives ten times, each sprint is not as costly as a big waterfall project, which is also true. But if you add up all of them and they are all running in the in the wrong direction, you you're also getting nowhere. So, I'm I'm always trying to get this value angle back into these discussions when it's often lacking. Yes, that is true. And often when you have these discussions with clients, I'm sure you've had this experience as well, they always want to be at the cutting edge and they talk about cutting edge. And I remember once working with a publishing company and for them, going digital was such a simple thing. They simply made their books available on the internet. Yes. It wasn't as if they had to do the most cutting edge things where they were building these apps and so on. No, they didn't have their books available on the internet. They made it available on the internet and people could subscribe and read their books on the internet. So sometimes companies go for what they think is the most cutting edge, but this, the baby step that can give them the most returns is not the most advanced thing they should do immediately. They start, they move, they learn, and they progress. But companies today seem to be obsessed with going after what is the best they can have when it may not be what's best for their strategy. And you know what? I think the... The key question everyone needs to ask is, is the thing I'm doing scalable? Um, yes. Because well, that's that's the key question. Um, uh, because, I don't know, you know, it's almost now uh, history, but the trend for robotic process automation. Yes. Um, when it first started, and I've, as, I, as I've said, I, I've been in, in telco media for a long time, so I'm by nature also a technology geek. Um. And then, so I looked into the first of these platforms and then I said, look, that's just macros as they yeah. were in Excel, you know? Um, and we've come a long way since then. Um, but most of the pilots done in these areas were usually then centered on selected processes, simple processes, repetitive tasks, etc. And the business case was always, look, it pays back in 12 months as ne we've never seen that before. And it was very true. The issue was just that then you saved the equivalent of five full-time equivalents in, in time, which you could use for different purposes, et cetera. And that was a saving. And then when you asked, look, uh, remind me again, how many employees do you have? And then I say, oh, we are 80,000. <laughs> and you say, mm, okay, some more work to do. And that's yes. then where the challenge starts. And then you find out that the pilot was usually selected in a way that it's working 
but then you have five or 10 robots, but let's say you need thousand, then, then we are talking a very different story. And it's also, you use the word scalable. And I remember working with a luxury brands business once that was moving into the digital space. Mm. And they were so proud of themselves that their revenue kept on increasing and increasing every year over this. I think it was a four-year plan to roll out their new thinking. But at the same time, their costs were rising at a faster rate than their revenue. Yes. But that's not scalable. Scalable means that over time, your revenue should rise at a faster rate than your costs. And what they were doing, they were in a position whereby to keep growing, their margins kept on shrinking. And they hadn't thought through what scalable means. And I see that mistake often with companies. Do you also see that? Yeah, very true. And that has all these t implications on the business case side. I don't know, have you, you, you moved to the cloud, but have you considered what will happen with your cloud cost? Yes. If you really scale or is, is it just a a view based on a certain scale but what if you then double scale is your your operation expenditure structure rechanging you move from capital expenditure now to opex and what does it mean what does it mean to your margin if you have everything in the cloud and that's why some companies already start now uh, taking back and um, processes from the cloud and taking yes. them to their to their own infrastructure because it just makes financial sense um, I'm not saying that it makes sense by definition. All I'm saying is in, think, in that about particular the, case. At, think about what, ha what will happen at scale if you have the ambition to scale your revenues. Yes, that's a great example because I have seen banks doing that as well. But again, as you said, it's unique to the company. We once worked with a, with a fund that launched an online dating app. Yeah. And the way they set up their dating app is they wanted to be able to access different databases and then as they access the databases, they wanted to show additional information about a member on the member profile page. Mm -hmm. But every time they access those databases through an API, they had to pay a fee. Yes. As you know. But what they hadn't catered for was that if someone refreshes that member's page seven times, the way they set up the API is it keeps on knocking on the API seven times and they pay a fee. And they hadn't worked out what the API fees were going to be. And when they got 10,000 members, they were so excited. But when they looked at the API costs, there's no business here. Nobody's going yeah. to be able to make money from this. Yeah, that's exactly. It's a very nice example of what can happen if you don't plan um, and just look for this, I don't know, this single highlight uh, demonstrating that you are now digital. Yes. Um, in a way, it's about scaling is good if you can scale profitably. Yes. And because, a lot of companies yeah. pursue market share, but they haven't thought through the economics behind it. And the funny thing is, look, I'm, I'm, I've studied business. Um, I've worked in a lot of uh, financial related strategic projects, M&A, due diligence, et cetera. And the skills are all out there. But uh, as soon as you put digital on it, it's, it feels like sometimes people tend to forget what they've really learned, how, how to make money. I think and a nice think way of saying it is that, sorry to interrupt you, Tim. A nice oh, way of saying it is that um, people forget that the rules of economics apply to digital. Yes. And they then, think and... there's something magical here and it's not going to be like the way it was before. And... It... In some elements, it's true, but it's not for the economic part. So you can, 
if you do it well, you can create effects at, at lower cost, at yes. better scalability than ever before. But that has to be part of your strategy. So to decide what to do, where to play in the market, how to win based on what you do, um, and then know the tools which you will need to make it happen. And that's then coming back to what we said before, in the end, digital is a tool. Yes. Nothing more, nothing true. less. And um, with all these fears, I don't know, my favorite disrupt before you are being disrupted. That's It's nice to say, but in the end, yes. it's, non it's nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, it more or less means kill yourself before someone else kills you. Yes. <laughs> and that's not a very good idea. Um, then you're just dead faster. Um, so you need to maybe change and transform your company and aim at um, making sure that the others have problems, not, your, not you. Yes. The other thing I've noticed with clients is that when they look at their success or failure, they often look at it independent of the market situation. Yes. So they'll look at something and say, look, we're doing so well. But yeah, you're doing well because it's an era of cheap money. You're doing so well because everyone's growing. But what happens when those things don't exist? Would you still do well? And often yeah. they reach a point whereby they realize their strategy wasn't really working. It was an anomaly. I've seen this often with clients during COVID who had subscription-based businesses that were digital. They looked at what happened during COVID. They saw a massive spike in subscriptions. And then they invested behind that, not realizing that was not a normal market situation. You know, that's a very nice example because many, many clients I've seen and that was a very heated discussion uh, in that time. Yes. They were saying, look, actually, COVID is the best chief digital transform digital officer that you we could ever find. Yes. Um, and then they thought, okay, um, now everyone in our customer base is digital and it will never go back. Finally, we've we've succeeded. And then I I I just love asking tough questions. And then I yeah. said, look, but but now when everyone is on digital platforms, um, is that really a world you want? Just because in your simple Excel, it's cheaper. But how do you then differentiate? Is it maybe not a good idea for very, extremely valuable customers that they really have a human touch, which where you can actually steer them, make them happy, um, uh, advise them, and maybe make them stay? Or is it always only digital which makes that happen? That's a very good question. And there was a very heated discussion saying, look, it's all digital in the future, thanks to COVID. And we need no shops. Um, no one will it need call centers. <laughs> it's, all, it's all robots. Uh, and I, wow, when AI comes, the robots will even say something meaningful, um, et cetera, et cetera. And then I usually said, look, there's, there's a very easy measure to make all your customer base go to digital you just close all your shops and close all your call centers and only allow them to access your channels via app and then every single one of your customers will be digital immediately the only problem is they will not be as many <laughs> Very yes nice. that is true i like that that's a good yeah. that's a good end to that <laughs> but the thing is that a lot of companies didn't listen they truly believe COVID was permanent and forever. 
it doesn't make sense now when you say that, but I remember the times having these discussions whereby people were saying things like employees are never going to come back to the office. Customers are never going to go to malls. People are never going to go back to the old way. Streaming is the future. Cinemas are dead forever. And people believed it and made very bad decisions. And now we see companies having to unwind very bad bets. For example, Disney Plus, the company bet the whole future on that, put all of their movies in there, but it hasn't mm. delivered what they expected. Yeah, it was a high risk just betting on a, as I said, on surfing on the hype. Yes. And then COVID came and it suddenly made everyone feel, look, um, what the prophet said, finally, COVID, our chief digital officer has delivered it. Um, so now that's go full steam. And yes, many good things have happened um, uh, in, in digital platforms. Things went faster, etc. But as I said, I think people, the thinking in scenarios and scenarios where uh, not not all criteria would lead to everything is digital forever, that that would have been a good idea. It's like everything in life. You've got to diversify and hedge your bets. Yeah. You can't be all in on digital. It has yeah. to be a component of your overall strategy. Tim, thank you so much. Is there anything you want to add before we sign up for today? No, I think it was a great discussion. We, I think we should, we could go on forever. Um, yes. Because it's a very interesting discussion. But all I can say is I'm, I can encourage everyone to like try to look be, beyond the hype because the risk in digital transformation is not, not only um, not doing it, but maybe even more importantly, doing it the wrong way and without a strategy. And, and only then, I'm very sure, um, and uh, I show that in the book, um, only then you can Go on a journey where actually your, your shareholders, your stakeholders will appreciate what you're doing in a way that you increase the value of your company um, and not just the value for people putting the word digital 20 times all over the place on your website. Yeah, well said. I mean, we don't want executives taking a Hail Mary pass on betting on something just because they think it'll work out. They need a plan. Yes. Don't go down a path unless you know what the outcome is going to be. Thank you so much, Tim. I really enjoyed speaking to you. Hopefully, we'll have you back on the show again soon. Yeah, happy to. Just, just let me know. Um, great to continue the discussion. Fabulous. Have a great day. Take care. Thank you. Take care, Mike. Bye-bye. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed doing the episode. Finally, I want you to remember that the only way to get access to our special offers, the only way to get our special pricing, and the only way to get samples of our content is to join the list on firmsconsulting.com. It's the only way also to get access to our unique advanced content that we make available to insiders. So if you want to get a sneak peek of things, test it out, see what's in there, this is the place to go. And finally, I want to thank you again for making us one of the largest podcast channels around the world for careers and for the 2 million downloads and counting.